Hello and welcome to the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I am Tyro Marshall in the host chair today, joined by Simon Bykowski, my travelling companion to St James's Park on, on Saturday night. How are we, Si? It was uh, an eventful evening, wasn't it? It was an eventful evening. Can we talk about um, why <laughs> eating establishments close so early on motorway service stations on <laughs> yeah, I know. the A1? <laughs> Yeah, that that was scandalous, wasn't it? Trying to find some food at what was not an unreasonable time on a on a Saturday night was was fairly disgraceful. I have found um, it's difficult when you're coming back from a London game, is it? On like a Sunday night, and uh, say Euston shuts all about eight o'clock, I think, which is slightly annoying. But yeah, I think it's it's fair to say if we'd have rocked up at Oxford Services at ten thirty on Saturday night, we'd have been able to get a KFC site. I think well, that's <laughs> that's pretty much a guarantee. So for me. A clear indication of the north-south divide once again, and, and Scott Corner has definitely lost um, lost a few points, hasn't it? And whether would it yes. whether be the, the second stop where KFC I had just closed? Think off? so, yeah, yeah. But from KFC to KDB, the football oh, was, was worth the done. trip. Nicely done. Well, I have to say, before when he started there and said, "Can we talk about?" I thought you were going to talk about my unnecessary trip to your house after you after you dropped me off when I managed to. So I dropped me off at the car park we met at, and then I realised I'd left my phone in his car. So I had to chase him, chase him back over the moors to uh, retrieve that at one a.m. on Sunday morning. So quite an eventful night. But yes, onto the game. Um, we'll be doing a couple of bits on the game here, and then looking ahead to the city's break at the end. So do stay with us for for all parts. But yeah, I mean, starting off with with that game, what a game! It was just absolutely fantastic entertainment, wasn't it? Quality football, a bit of spite in it, a great atmosphere. It, it had a lot, didn't it? Yeah, and I, I rewatched it this morning on um, on Match of the Day, and that kind of it is only highlights, but it really missed out the the spice because it really got quite feisty between the two teams. Um, you know, both sets of fans unhappy with the referee, both sets of players unhappy with the referee, um, which usually tells you he's done a decent job. Although there were there were certainly a few sort of questionable shouts in there. Um, and yeah, the I mean the wider refereeing situation we can go on and on about, but it just seems like all the directors they brought in at the start of the season are gone and don't exist anymore. Um, but it it just had everything, and we kept turning to each other and being like, "This is a great game. This is a great game." And probably from City's point of view, too great to watch because it you know they didn't have as much control as they would like, despite having so much possession. But um, yeah, really good Newcastle side sort of uh, ran out of steam, I guess, and City, inspired by Kevin De Bruyne and Oscar Bob, picked up a big three points. They did, yeah, yeah. I mean, talking of you know, that that spell at the end of the first half injury time when, when Himarai should clearly have got a second booking for his foul on Rodri and then Rodri just took the law into his own hands was uh, was, was fantastic in kind of raising the temperature. And, and aside from that, five brilliant goals as well. And the... I can't imagine there's going to be a game maybe with a better quality of goal this season because they were all fantastic goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we were trying to sort of debate the best one in the car coming back. I, I, I think Bernardo Silva probably still wins it um, because of just the... It, it's aesthetically beautiful, isn't it? It's a goal that everyone would kind of... I think that's the goal if you were playing, you would love to score that goal. If you had sort of, you know the talent of Bernardo Silva rather than like 100,000th of the talent of Bernardo Silva to be able to like back heel the ball 
in uh, in such fashion was great. But then, yeah, like every single goal was really, really top class. Yeah, they, they, it felt like the, the beauty of it was that they had it was something for everything. Whatever your particular tastes are for goals, it felt like you were pretty well covered there. That they were all they were all different. I mean, Newcastle's were, were both kind of similar, I guess, but cities were all were all different. There was something for everyone there. Yeah, and the the Newcastle finishes. What kind of made them so so impressive? Um, firstly, the sort of the ball over the top for Isaac for the first one, but both Isaac and Gordon found themselves in a position where they had a vulnerable Kyle Walker um, in the sense that he was out of position or whatever, or just didn't go over to Gordon as soon as he could. And it's like both of them had Walker on the back foot, allowed him to kind of recover, and then were like, now we're just going to beat you and curl it past the keeper anyway. Um, so, you know, Walker's defending left a lot to be desired, but... Um, you know, he, he'd almost kind of like got back to where he needed to be and then they were just like, no, it don't matter. We're just launching this unstoppable shot past the goalkeeper. Um, and then, you know, De Bruyne's is sort of, well, both De Bruyne's goal and assist are just like, almost like geometry, aren't they? You could, you could have them on a GCSE maths paper for exactly what angle is needed to to produce the the balls he, he does. And um, yeah, but, and, and aside from that, the atmosphere was was amazing um you know it, it's always it's always good at St James's Park but the the city fans certainly made a lot of noise at the end as well yeah they did it was fantastic from the away end to be fair the, the noise you could hear at various points during the game and especially at the end it is it's not a great away end it'd be fair to say but it is it is a great atmosphere you're right I was saying beforehand how I'd done United up there back at the start of December and that was an 8pm Saturday night game and I was talking to a friend yesterday at a children's birthday party trying to kill time. And I was, it, that, that sort of kickoff time, a Saturday night, especially at 5.30, at Newcastle is possibly the best in the country because that stadium is right in the heart of the city centre. You can imagine Arthur Gallagher had been on it since midday, <laughs> going out yeah. to the big market afterwards. I, I, and it I ticks think, every box, doesn't it? I think 5.30 is better than 8 in that respect. Because, like, you know, I know a lot of city fans who went up and just, like, jumped on a train back as soon as the match is finished whereas sort of if it's eight o'clock and you're finishing there's maybe not a train back uh well i think the last train back was nine and was cancelled as it sat on the platform for being uh over overcrowded so uh more leveling up issues um but like eight but eight o'clock it feels like it's almost gone on too long and maybe people have had too much fun before the game, whereas five thirty really is, but it seems like Newcastle have had like a thousand five thirty kickoffs uh, this season. It's like Liverpool play at half twelve, Newcastle play at half five, everyone else in between. Um, uh, but you know, you, you can see why because, like you say, that um, the the atmosphere is, um, is is really good, and and as you say again, the the away end is is not the best with with them being up in the gods, but um, they were sort of to our to our left in the press box. And um, yeah, certainly absolutely loved that. That comeback uh, and, you know, the the return of of their their hero and also the the rise of a a new hero with a um, a sort of catchy name enough for enough for a song already for it. Yeah, he's going to have a lot of songs, I think, with a name, a name like that. There's so, so much potential. Uh, before we get on to the really good stuff then, let's touch on the first half. I mean, it felt like City were playing pretty well in the first half, creating a lot of chances, and then all of a sudden they were 2-1 down. 
it, it felt at that point, I think I said to you, there were shades of Chelsea in, in terms of the way Newcastle had already threatened a couple of times to get in behind. Where, when they won the ball, they were looking for that early ball over the top. And then suddenly, two identical goals, 2-1. Like you say, Walker didn't cover himself in glory for either. City went on and won the game, but defensively, there's there's still concerns there, isn't there? There's still things to to iron out. It felt like typical they wouldn't have conceded last year. Their their super strength last year was that one on one defending, wasn't it? That every single defender would win their duels, and this season, too many of them are, are losing them. Simply, I guess. Yeah, and you can't really say that it's kind of different personnel. You know, Guardiola's come into the team and has affected it, but you've still got Akele, you've still got Diaz, Walker. Um, you know, Walker sort of renowned last season with his uh, duels against Vinicius who showed again at the weekend what a, what a talent he is so um, I, I think there are kind of two aspects for it there are you know A the first one is the defenders are not at the top of their game like Walker could have been better for both gold Diaz gets charged down by Isak to sort of lead to the second goal um, and the second is the makeup of the team with Jeremy Doku in it uh, and Josco Gradiol to be fair but you know you get without wanting to say like Doku is costing the team because he's not but the risk and reward that you get well the reward you get from Doku's risk has to be balanced against the counter of when he loses the ball and it it became pretty evident early on that Newcastle were looking to dispossess Doku and slap the ball upfield Um to to create a fast Newcastle attack and they've done that two times I think before City scored the first goal um, that first one kind of leading to Edison getting injured and then second one Diaz did well to put Isak off but it, it was um, it it was a, a deliberate tactic and you know Doku kind of made the first goal with his his dribbling and then his pass out to walk for the right but then also he did get caught up um, in a Newcastle goal as well so so that is the sort of the high wire and the higher wire than last season that City do play when it's Doku rather than Grealish. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Vardell there. I mean, he's probably a topic for another day, really, but it's it's still not really clicking with him that often. And there was a, one of the beauties of the press box at St James's Park is that you are so close to the action and so close to the dugouts. And there was a point in the first half where it was so loud that Guardiola was trying to get Guardiola's attention up to get Diaz to get him, I think. And then... Guardiola basically did this moonwalk across the technical area to try and show what body shape he wanted Guardiola to have and how he wanted him to defend. And you know, it kind of shows that he's still needing this minute coaching at, at times during games, that he's not quite grasping that role fully, is he? Yeah, and even at the end, sort of amid the celebrations, Pep was pulling him to one side and, you know, on the pitch, telling him what he should have done at this point and that point. And, you know, his performance was kind of, like his whole season really sort of he's promising going forward but teams are exploiting the space that he leaves in behind and you know from last season going from sort of Ake and Grealish on the left so it's like a grounded sort of reliable side you've got Guardiola and Doku which is infinitely more exciting but yeah also kind of a bit more dangerous um, for you as as much as the the opposition or oh, that's the balance so um I, I I still don't know why you've got Ake playing in centre back and Guardiola left back. It's sort of I sort of get the idea that you know play left back until you're comfortable at centre back in a in a pet team maybe because there's less less risk. 
um, at fullback. But, you know, City did sign one of the best centre-backs in the world for whatever 78 million it was for him. So it still feels like he would um, he would be more comfortable at centre-back and has been on the rare times he's played there. And Ake would be really good at left-back because he's kind of really good anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And just one other thing to touch on in the first half then, you, you kind of mentioned it there, Edison's injury. Um, incredible. Now, the, for so long, people have been saying, oh, at some point, the offside flag not going up is going to lead to an injury. And now it's led to an injury for two City players in the space of four games, I think, at Everton and at Newcastle. I mean, incredibly unfortunate. We don't really know how, how the state of, of Edison's injury at the moment. This one, it kind of felt more excusable than the Everton one. I think the Everton one, from my memory, looked looked clearly offside and, and wasn't given and Stones had to make the tackle and got injured. This looked a lot more marginal and, and the linesman is he's probably doing the right thing. But it's it's not an ideal situation, is it, where a piece of play that doesn't matter is leading to your goalkeeper going off injured? Yeah, it's difficult to... I don't know. I think when we first looked at it, we thought, oh, that that does look closer. But when you... You know, our replay screens weren't the best. When you see it, there are like three Newcastle players clearly offside and you know the first player in the line linesman's taken up a very good position the first shirt that he sees is black and white now you know I don't want to blame VAR because everyone always says everyone blames VAR for everything even when it's like on field uh, officials making the decision but it's kind of a, a casualty of the VAR era that the on-field officials make fewer decisions. You know, without VAR, I think the linesman sees the black and white shirt and puts his flag up. Whereas now he's like, oh, maybe we have to let it carry on. And um, and it, it is really, really unfortunate. And it's not the referee's fault that City have picked up two injuries in, um, in, in the last two away games from this sort of strange... Thing. Um, but at the same time, sort of the more it is in use and the more times it happens, you're going to get more injuries to players because you're going to get more chances for players to come together and hurt themselves in action, you know, in the same way that like 10 minutes of injury time rather than five increases the risk of injuries. Well, playing when you shouldn't be playing increases the risk of injuries. And, um, yeah, I, I think it, it's hard because we would moan anyway, you know, if he'd flagged it as off immediately and then he was on, then Newcastle would have um, had, a, had a right to, to complain. But it, it's, it, it was really unfortunate for City and it, it is another thing in the game where you feel like surely there has to be a better way of doing this. I don't, I don't know what the... Yeah. yeah, I don't know what the, the change would be, but... No, well, that's it. You feel like it's a better way of doing it, but no one quite knows what it is, I guess, because you don't you don't want to see a lineman put his flag up and it turns out to be onside. Um, you know, maybe they need to kind of be a bit braver with offside decisions, but we've seen plenty of VAR calls where you think that looks offside and it's on or, or vice versa. So, yeah, it's not it's not easy to know what the solution is, is it? Yeah, I don't, yeah, whether it's, I don't know, whether the linesman flags for no offsides and then it's semi-automated. Or, or fully automated or I, I don't know but it, it just or, or whether the system is perfect and actually 
you know, I or you can say, yeah, he should have put his flag up there because I thought it was obvious and somebody else should, and Howard Webb will say, no, it wasn't obvious, so he did exactly the right thing. And you, you suspect kind of the reasoning, if they're asked for, um, for that, is that, yeah, it was tight, so he didn't put his flag up, but it, it sort of, you can see why, why City have been angered by it because they lost John Stones to it and they've now lost, you know, they, they now might have lost Edison to it. So, you know, take out your, your best centre-back and your, your best goalkeeper and you, you're you a, a weaker side through no real fault of your own. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, that's all for, for part one. We'll be back after this break to talk about a couple of the heroes from Saturday night. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Now, for those of you listening on Friday, you might have heard our producer and, and standing host, Seb Parkinson, asking Sai if Kevin De Bruyne was finished uh, with, with perfect comic timing. You'd be pleased to know that we've consigned Seb back to his studio to uh, to produce today. Um, so, Sai, I think it's fair to say De Bruyne is, is not finished. Are we, I, think, I think we're agreed on that. Well, uh, I'm just relieved I put Seb in his place on Friday. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, he, I mean, he is just remarkable. Like, you know, as, as I said on Friday, like he, he wants to get back to his best and he, he, he will get back to his best level, but I didn't expect what he produced on Saturday. And, you know, you think back to it and just 20 minutes to produce a spectacular goal and a spectacular assist under the highest pressure to turn around you know, a, a Premier League game is, is astonishing and kind of, um, it, it kind of gives City an aura that, that maybe the team don't have. You know, I've heard like the result described as like a turning point and things like that and it doesn't really feel like it, the, the match itself was sort of that, I, I don't think the match itself will be that significant in City's season. But it will be significant if it's the return of Kevin De Bruyne who then goes on to win the league for City. So it was almost, the game ended up more about De Bruyne than it did City. Yeah, absolutely. De Bruyne's now six assists off the top assister in the Premier League this season. And having missed half the season, I don't think anyone would be surprised if he still ended up winning that title. He is, he is remarkable. We were talking afterwards that he's played 40 minutes of Premier League football this season and has a goal and, and two assists. I mean, I thought. We were talking about the quality of the goals. I thought his goal was absolutely beautiful in the way that he scored from the edge of the area, 20 yards. and it, that, that shot just had no power. It was almost like a computer game where he just lined the ball up into the very corner of the net and thought, well, that's, that's the angle is perfect. I don't need that much power. And he just caressed it in, really. just stroked it in to the bottom corner. It was a thing of beauty. And he impacted the game straight away, didn't he? He didn't need time to get up to speed. He, he's only had that run out against Huddersfield last week and he came on and, and influenced the game straight away. The goal, the assist, he almost put a, a, a goal on the plate for um, for Alvarez. There was a few of those. He got into those really good inside right positions and put a few dangerous balls across the box. I mean, straight away, he, he made City look more dangerous, didn't he? Yeah, and I don't know whether it's coincidence or not, but you know, as soon as he comes on, see, you have that really dangerous free kick on the edge of the box, and they're like, "Kevin, you are taking it. You've not kicked a ball since 
two hours ago in the warm-up, but we're looking for a way back into the game and we want you to try and put it in the net from 25 yards instead of, you know, any of the other world-class players on the pitch. So it, it was almost like from the moment he came on, City looked to him and said, what can you do to help turn this game around? And 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 he delivered. And yeah, like you say, his, um, his, his finish for the goal was was just extraordinary and it, it, it's so it's a finish that you don't really see too often in the game um but he just has such precision precision and the um the time and it, it was um he got asked afterwards by belgian tv because when he drew three all at st james's last season he um he played this ridiculous assist through for bernardo silva that went through the legs of joe willock um so it was sort of like two nutmegs because his goal went through Shah's legs and he was asked about, you know, is that coincidence or what? And he was like explaining afterwards the he, the very deliberate reasoning and technique why he aims to to look for players with the legs open and then fire the ball through it. So just like it nothing he does is by chance, but it he makes it look like it all is because you can't envisage it happening. Um he, he, yeah, he just has this amazing ability and yeah, aura around him where people think he's going to do magic things, even if he, even if he isn't. But against Newcastle, he, he just produced two of the the highest bits of quality in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne is back now, and the rest of the country is definitely shaking. It is, it is fair to say. I mean, how how big an impact can he have? On, on the second half of, of this season. Because City are City within touching distance of, of top spot when they've had until Saturday De Bruyne for 20 minutes this season. Haaland is now is going to miss two months of this season. If he's back in February, they're, they're in a, a great position, aren't they, with, with those key players back. But as Guardiola has pointed out on a couple of times, De Bruyne isn't going to help them keep more clean sheets necessarily. So how... How much of an impact can he have on this season? And is it fair to say it's it's not as simple as De Bruyne is back now? City will turn on the afterburners and run away with us. Yeah, I think so. I think sort of caution is needed around De Bruyne still. You know, Pep said afterwards the target is ninety minutes, ninety minutes, ninety minutes, but he's still working back to that. And you know, you, there's no um, no certainty that he won't get injured again. You know, maybe there's another delayed offside flag and. And this time it's it's Kevin's turn. You know anything can can happen. The reason why I said it wasn't it didn't feel like a turning point in City season is because, like I say, the the two points off top. But even if they'd lost, you know St James is a a hard place to get a result. Arsenal have lost there. Chelsea, United, Liverpool sort of did a, a rescue act to to win there. They were behind going into injury time. So, um, you know. I think even if they'd lost, people still would have said, well, they've got plenty and Haaland still to come back and Stone still to come back. But with De Bruyne coming back the way he has, you sort of think, yeah, the team will will have more match winners in the side and more match winning moments in the side. And you also think, uh, you know, <clears throat> Pep said afterwards, like the, te- the style of play doesn't necessarily matter, but it's the having that person there who will always put the right ball in and and if you've got the runners which you know Alvarez is and Foden is and Doku is 
um, then De Bruyne will find them better than anyone else on the on the pitch. Foden's done an amazing job in the centre this year, but he's still not got the talent that De Bruyne has because no one has the talent that De Bruyne has. Um, you know, you would say De Bruyne won't improve the defensive solidity and I think it, it has to be a worry. We were talking afterwards, weren't we, about the fact that, you know, we, we both said City lost control of this game and they did and they weren't great for, um, well, until sort of the 75th minute they were losing and I think Alvarez had added a good shot once De Bruyne came on but before that they'd not really tested uh, Dubravka all that much so um, you know they were they, they were dominating the ball and playing some nice bits of football but they weren't really kind of knocking down the Newcastle goal uh, until De Bruyne came on so just that more direct threat will help them score more goals but they've still been conceding a lot of goals and conceding at the at the back with defensive mistakes and the makeup of the team so yeah I think um, it, it 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 has to help them De Bruyne coming back but he won't be the miracle cure for the team and I think you know if they continue to concede as many goals as they're conceding they will find it difficult to win trophies yeah and in the end De Bruyne had to share the spotlight with Oscar Bob the Fantastic injury time moments, his his winning goal, another brilliant goal. The, the pass from De Bruyne was superb, but Bob's feet to get inside Trippier and then inside the Bravka and finishing the same move was was fantastic and a, a brilliant story. A few hours after Cole Palmer had scored again for City, Oscar Bob, kind of his his replacement, I guess, in, in the squad, uh, came on and, and scored scored a vital goal. We got to speak to him afterwards and it, you know, he, he was great value in the interview talking about how he never quite knows if he's got the faith and the trust of Guardiola, but he told him to go on and win the game and how he felt it, he'd score the goal. And, and quite a nice line about how he'd always thought his first City goal would come at the Etihad with City 3 or 4-0 up. That's kind of when he's been playing and when he's been getting his game time. He never expected it to come in a moment like this and you could see how how enjoyable it was for him. But it was it was a, a brilliant, brilliant moment for him and he is, he is starting to really influence and contribute to games off the bench, isn't he? Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. Again, it was just kind of bedlam at the end. Um and, you know, nobody saw the De Bruyne pass other than Bob. Um and Guardiola was saying afterwards, like he took Bob on the summer tour on kind of the the basis of Cheeky Bagirison telling him to. And he said straight from the start, kind of the the players recognised him and thought, Yeah, this is a guy. You sometimes get it where youngsters come into the team and they don't necessarily get that much of the ball and they're not um, trusted that much by by the teammates who who don't know them that well and don't know what they can or can't do. It's, and, you know, like uh, when Grealish first came to City and he basically just said, I'll just give it to Kevin every time I get the ball because Kevin is the best player on the pitch. So, you know, he that had to be kind of coached out of, out of him a bit. Um, but they've trusted Bob and Guardiola has trusted Bob in, in big games. He brought him on at Wolves at half time, I think, when they were losing. He brought it on at, at Villa when I think it was nil nil, but then they were very quickly one nil down. Um, and bringing him on at Newcastle when, you know, there were other options on the bench. Grealish was, was sick and probably 
didn't look like he could play that long anyway. But um, you know, it, it was it's, he could have brought on Nunes or you know different different options, and he he went for Bob and and Guardiola was you know absolutely over the moon, but but so was so was Oscar Bob because he he's had to wait, you know. We're sort of in a situation at City where their academy players are coming through younger and younger, and you know Rico Lewis eighteen and Foden was very young, and it, it's almost like if you get past eighteen and you haven't made it in this team, then your chances aren't coming. He'd not Oscar hadn't played senior football before the age of twenty, and he he's just and and now he's got Premier League goal. Um, Champions League goal. He's got a goal at international level for Norway because they've sort of responded to his his city form and given him his international debut. And he's took his opportunities there. So, um, I you know you would say the best night of his young career, but also you would say he's got many big nights ahead of him. Yeah, he has, and it'll be interesting to see how he's used for the rest of the season because I think we've touched on a couple of times recently that. If everyone is fit, City do have a lot of depth suddenly, attacking-wise. Haaland and Alvarez. You've got Grealish and Doku on the left, Bernardo and Foden on the right, arguably De Bruyne back. So there's a lot of exceptional senior footballers there, but you do feel like Bob has has suddenly got a lot of faith of Guardiola and and is certainly someone that is going to be turned to from the bench during the running. Yeah, and I think, you know, the the Newcastle goal will be the making of him because. you know, when he came off at half time, when he came on at half time for Nunes at Wolves, it was like, well, this is a bit strange. And even when he came on at Villa, it was it kind of him coming on was more a sign of sort of the the weakness of City's bench that they couldn't turn to to anyone else. And then, you know, he comes on at Newcastle and scores that goal, and you've got people saying, oh well, how can Newcastle compete when City can afford to bring Oscar Bob off the bench? And he's <laughs> like. Suddenly, he's this first-team star, um, but he will be from now on. From now on, if Pep brings brings him off the bench, it won't be like, you know, who is this kid who he's giving minutes to or whatever. It'll be like, he's the guy who scored that stoppage time winner at one of the most difficult grounds in the country, um, who is a proven member of the first-team squad. And, you know, Cole Palmer was scoring important goals at the start of the season for City and is now doing the same for for Chelsea. But, you know, City have enough talent coming through that they can uh, they can get by just fine. Absolutely, yeah. That's all for part two of the podcast. We'll be back shortly to wrap up a few bits and pieces. Welcome back to the final part of the Talking City podcast, uh, ahead of a break, a January mid-season break, probably for the final time in the, the Premier League. I don't think anyone connected to football will be getting a break in the near future, the way uh, the way the fixture list is going. But we have one here, for better or worse. We've got it on the, on the podcast schedule we've got here. Act three, the first question is, any transfer news to discuss? And I think the short answer is no. Um, I guess the... the the headline news in that regard is that Calvin Phillips did return on the City team bot on Saturday. Yeah, and I sort of touched on it on Friday, but the the Phillips situation, um, yeah, you know Newcastle and anyone else is is waiting for for a favour from City that they don't need to give. Um, you know, 
Phillips was fully involved in the celebrations as City won at Newcastle. You know, he's a he's a firm part of the City squad despite being a basically a non-playing member of the City squad. Um, so if he wants to move, then he is going to have to convince he either convince City to to lower their demands um, for for a loan move for the rest of the season, or convince the any interested parties like Newcastle to um, to pay what City think he is worth. Um, it, you know, Philip Philip Phillips has been driving this. Let's be let's be honest. Phillips was the one in summer who said, "I want to stay." When City were open to letting him go, and Phillips was the one who came out on international duty and said in October or whenever and said I want to I need to be playing more regular football if I need to be at the Euros so now it's kind of on Phillips again to say this is the move that is happening that I've managed to to agree because you know City won't be um, they're not City won't like any player City won't stop him from leaving but they won't let him leave for below value because um, they, they're not a charity yeah I, I mean it feels like any club that wants him needs Phillips to push for it don't they really I mean he's he knows the writing is on the wall for him now at, at City he's had Guardiola apologising to him in press conferences in public he he had that moment earlier in the season when he said it's the biggest week in my City career and started one of three games that Rodri was unavailable for He he knows he's done so like you say City want a fair deal but they've always been very willing to let players leave and if if Phillips is demanding to leave and, and kicking up a fuss, then it's it's probably gonna help teams looking for it. And he like I say he knows the Euros are, are coming up. It's he knows he's got to go and play. You would you would think it it still feels unfathomable that he will be here at the end of January, but the way it's going, with the clock ticking, it's you know, you, you wonder, will that actually end up happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if he stays, City will be very happy to keep him. Um, but you saw, especially with Newcastle, um, Newcastle have unfortunately painted themselves into a corner whereby, you know, one of their star signings in midfield at the start of the season is unavailable to play for the rest of the season. And they've made no secret of the fact that they're too constrained financially to, um, to, to, to make a permanent signing. But, you know, but also they're, midfielder is is coming back next season so you know alone does make sense um but every football club in existence is out for their own interests and is and is not in the business of helping rivals out you know imagine if newcastle were like fourth in the table which is is not that sort of um fanciful and we're asking for calvin phillips for free for the duration of the season basically and it, it's like, well, well, no. Why would we help out someone who's sort of stopping, you know, potentially harming our chances of success? So, um, I it, it's just business at the end of the day. And uh, you know, I, I I could see a situation where City lower the demands, um, but I think Newcastle will have to move further than they have done to. Um, towards City's demands if they're going to get Phillips and and like you say I think Phillips might have to be really actively involved 
Definitely, definitely. It's uh, a week on Friday now, City's next fixture away at Tottenham in the FA Cup, so a good break for them. They are off to Abu Dhabi. Uh, neither of us are going with them, unfortunately. There'll be no, there'll be no winter sun here. We'll be ploughing on through uh, through the most, today's the most miserable day of the year, apparently, so hopefully we've brought yeah. some Well, there's lots of winter cheer. sun where we are, so. That's true, yeah. yeah. Just it's not just warm. Cold. It's cold, isn't yeah. it? Very, very cold sun. Um, yeah. Yeah, what 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 do we know about Abu Dhabi? What are we expecting, uh, Si? I mean, it's um, it's similar to pre-season, isn't it? In that you know, where the the perfect pre-season tour is one where you don't really have many. Uh, the perfect pre-season tour for a club, not for not for media, but for a club is where you don't have many or any media or commercial obligations. Uh, you don't have to go anywhere where you don't know what the facilities are like or where the facilities are substandard. Um, and you get a nice bit of sun. And that is what City are getting in Abu Dhabi, really. They've been there before, so they know exactly what what it has. And it, it meets their their requirements. And, um, you know, they, <laughs> they've been there before and they, they're going back. So, so they must like it. And... Um, you know, also you never know. There might be some uh, some talks between talks to an executive level going on. Um, given given Sheikh Mansour um, will be might, might pay them a flying visit or anything like that. Or you might see some of the some of the board out there and the the downtime when they're not training. But it's basically uh, the players have had a few days off now to go wherever they wanted. So like Harlan's in Italy and uh, a few of them have have jetted off and then they're all coming back on Wednesday to go for a week of training and you know Pep's been clear it's not a holiday it's a week of training they're going to do four or five sessions out there uh, and prepare for the second half of the season but they felt last year like it really set them up uh, for the second half of the campaign in which they won three trophies so um, I think they will be hopeful that a a sort of yeah not a getaway but a um, Training in better conditions than they would here uh, will will pay off in the long run. Yeah, well, they all spoke very positively about that the week in Saudi Arabia when obviously there was business to be done with the Club World Cup. But you know, Pep did say a couple of times we don't tend to get this in the season where you get everyone together. But obviously, like they are going to have it twice in the space of a month with with this week and that week in in Saudi Arabia is has clearly changed something in, in terms of results and maybe brought about that kind of spirit it, spirit and togetherness. And we've seen fairly iconic celebrations in the last two away games in front of the away ends at Everton and, and Newcastle. So maybe it's a, a chance to build on that, but it probably means it's going to be a, a quiet a quiet few days for us. Yeah, I mean, you also, um, what you got in Saudi City left having drawn with two all with Palace and it was like, oh, they could be, 12 points behind, 10 points behind by the time they come back. And by the time they came back, Arsenal and Liverpool had both dropped points and suddenly City were sort of back in the title race. So again, City have done their job by winning at Newcastle. They're going away because of the split winter break. You've got Liverpool playing Bournemouth and um, Arsenal at home to Palace, which both could, could win their games. But if there's any drop-off, then again, City will return from another kind of Middle East jaunt um, with uh, with sort of a, an extra boost in the title race, so you know they're in sort of a 
a position where they're able to kind of watch on and see what see what others do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, thank you very much for your time, Sai, and enjoy enjoy the winter sun in your neck of the woods. Yes, and you. <laughs> uh, that is all from today's podcast. Please do leave us a five star review. Remember to like and subscribe and follow and and all of that stuff. And we will be back with you uh, soon. Not entirely sure when. Obviously, not a lot going on with the the winter break. But we'll be back with you either later this week or early next week. And looking ahead to the FA Cup trip to Tottenham. But for now, thanks for listening and catch you all soon.